we're going to use UGC over influencer marketing and cannabis brands need to be doing this as well. Because with an influencer, you can have a contract, you pay them and they may or may not use, you know, they either provide you with the advertisement or whatever you're going to use for whatever. The difference with UGC creators is it doesn't matter their following. They're not bringing your product to their audience. They're producing high quality content that you have the rights to. You're listening to To Be Blunt, the podcast for cannabis marketers, where your host Shada Taravi and her guests are trailblazing the path to marketing, educating, and professionalizing cannabis. Light one up and listen up. Here's your host, Shada Taravi. Hello and welcome back to the To Be Blunt podcast. I'm your host, Shada Tarabi, cannabis business owner and brand marketer. And I'm back again, super excited that you are here tuning into another episode of the show. Thank you so much for hitting play. And I'll start by teasing out something fun that I get to be a part of. I will be heading off to Germany this week for a special project I was invited to participate in. If you want to see the behind the scenes, I encourage you to follow along on social media. For sure, Instagram will have the most up-to-date details, and eventually I will spill the full THC on the show once I get back. But I'm extremely grateful for this opportunity. It is absolutely 100% cannabis related, and the fact that this is happening is pretty fucking rad. So just send your good vibes my way this week and stay tuned for more updates. Now, I hope you've been enjoying these new intros. If you have, please give me a sign of life. If you hate them and wish they were shorter, you could also let me know that too. I know I joke in seriousness that this show is selfishly for me to gain insight into the industry, but it's honestly really for us. I want you to benefit from these conversations as much as I do, which is why I produce and promote these episodes. There is literal gold in these conversations, and you're welcome. All I'm asking is for a little feedback loop, pretty please. It helps me make the show better and gives you what you want, which is why I hope you'll keep coming back and learning and growing and shaping the cannabis industry as we know it together with me. In other news, like literal industry news, these are the things the top three trending things specifically in our industry that happened recently that I think you should know about. First up, I thought this one was interesting and very important to keep reminded of the adjustments happening in the market. It was reported by MJ Biz Daily and the title was Top CBD Companies Experience Market Share Drop as Online Sales Soften. The article highlights the top 10 CBD companies by revenue with Charlotte's Web at the top, followed by your CBD store who also goes by SunMed, and then followed by Medterra, then followed by CBD American Shaman, CBD MD, and on and on. And the article is addressing commerce decline, specifically in e-commerce as retail picks back up with the return of in-person shopping. So Market share by revenue for the top 20 CBD brands shrank 2%. 
to 16% versus the first quarter of the year, and that is according to Chicago-based cannabis analytics firm Brightfield Group. It also goes on to say the brand's share of overall CBD sales peaked in the fourth quarter of 2021 at 18.9%. So again, meaning 2021, fourth quarter, that was the peak of CBD sales. It's also highlighted an interesting breakdown from Q1 2022 on CBD distribution channels, saying e-commerce makes up 39.2%, followed by pharmacies at 19.5%, CBD specialty retailers at 10.7%, and it had a big chunk of that also attributed to just other, which I don't really know what that is covering, but you know, those splits honestly surprised me. I think I figured e-commerce was up there, but didn't realize it was the majority. So I guess COVID really did have an effect on shifting sales online and especially for the hemp industry. The next article is from KTLA. California okays the bill to protect workers who use pot at home, saying California could soon become the seventh state to make sure people won't lose their jobs if they smoke marijuana when they are off the clock, which if I'm being honest, I didn't realize we had six other states who already had enacted protection for this. And those states are Nevada, New York, New Jersey, Connecticut, Montana, and Rhode Island with 21 states actually having laws protecting workers who use medical marijuana from discrimination. This is such a top issue for consumption, especially as so many states are legalizing, but private employers are still drug testing at their discretion, while cannabis, even if you're consuming it on a weekend, would show up on a drug test potentially during work hours. So it's a very difficult, nuanced thing for them to be drug testing for, right? So lawmakers recently passed a bill that would stop companies from punishing workers in California who fail a certain type of drug test that detects whether or not a person is high, but whether the person has used marijuana at all in recent days. And consuming cannabis actually releases a substance called metabolites, which can remain in a person's body for weeks after using cannabis. So I'm glad to hear that there are multiple states who are passing legislation that can protect consumers. And let me know, was this news to you or did you know we already had six states who protected this? The final article is from the BBC and it is titled Largest Ever Independent Study into Cannabis Use. A 2.5 million euro study into the effects of cannabis on the brain has been launched by a London university. It's titled The Cannabis and Me Study Will Research Environmental and Biological Factors Behind the Different Effects People Experience When Using Cannabis. King's College London wants 6,000 people to take part in the investigation, which would be the largest independent study of its kind. Researchers said the funding from the Medical Research Council would help develop greater understanding of the drug, estimated to be used by 200 million people across the world. It then links to the actual study, which is being conducted locally in London. So sorry, anybody out there who wanted to participate, unless you live in London, you can't. But it said its purpose is... While many people who use cannabis report benefits, both for recreational and medicinal uses, others experience unpleasant effects, particularly affecting their mental health. Therefore, at a time when cannabis use is increasing worldwide, this study focuses on understanding the wider impact of cannabis use on the physical and mental health of cannabis users. It also aims to identify environmental and biological factors, which can explain the different effects people experience when using cannabis, and in particular, identify those users more likely to experience mental health and social issues. I'm very excited to hear that this 
is being run and can't wait to hear the findings and go through their conclusions. I think everyone can agree the more we can research and study the long-term effects of our cannabis consumption, the more empowered we can all be. And, you know, the reality is some people don't have as good of experiences as others. So again, to document this, I think will be really fascinating. And that's the news for the week. I am linking those all below for you to review. If you learned anything at all from that, let me know what your takeaway was. I'm fascinated on what you find the most important from these updates. So I do encourage you to reach out. Now on to today's episode, I am joined by Maggie Wilson, the CMO of Fruit Slabs, California's award-winning healthiest edible. Get this, made without any added sugar, any artificial ingredients, no pectin, no gelatin or animal parts, and uses sustainably sourced organic fruit sources. All the things that I absolutely love. This sounds so delicious if I'm being really honest. In addition to being the CMO, Maggie is the best-selling author of the Metaphysical Cannabis Oracle deck and the first black woman cannabis sommelier. We get into the realities of marketing cannabis in the California market since the passing of Prop 64 and how Fruit Slabs has found success navigating brand ambassadorship, or as Maggie refers to their collaboration program as the Coslaborator Network. And get it? Because Fruit Slabs, Coslab, thought it was clever. Always be branding. We discuss the transition from influencer marketing to user-generated content, or UGC, and how brands can activate on that trend, which I think is super fascinating and very important, so pay attention to that part especially. And one of my favorite topics we got into was how they leverage their brand IP, or intellectual property, to go global. It's a very good conversation. I hope you enjoy this. So you know the drill. Please join me by lighting one up, and let's welcome Maggie to the show. Thank you so much for having me. It really is nice to connect. It's been a long time coming. I was gushing a little bit before we started recording, but I'll re, you know, share the gush here for everybody. Big fan of your brand. It's definitely something that is not like unique by any means, but at the same time, totally unique. So I don't want to downplay that it's not right. But when you're looking at the traditional edible market, the consumable products, there is a very specific lane that I find a lot of products veer towards. And yours is like, Yes, but, and I'm over here, and which is why I gravitated towards it. I shared with you about my accident story prior to jumping on, and that accident story, as my listeners may or may not know, which I've got a lot of content on that. If you guys want to hear the full download, go to listen to episode one. I've got it there for you. But I transitioned to a paleo diet and started really getting more clear-minded on reading ingredients and understanding what I was putting in my body. And so when I saw fruit slabs, you are pretty much like minimal ingredients. I just thought you got kosher certified. I don't know what other like certifications might be going in there. I love to kind of like, you know, pull back the curtain or peel back the label, so to speak. But using fruit as the base, fruit slabs, it is a, I'm assuming almost like a fruit leather. Full disclosure to listeners, I haven't had a chance to try it yet, but it's definitely like, I'm like eager to get to California. It's like one of those places that I haven't quite got a chance to visit since, you know, the pandemic and everything has happened. But Big fan of the brand just because I do think that you're doing things the way they should be done. But unfortunately, our industry is just plagued with high fructose corn syrup and food dyes and shitty ingredients. Then you have like the beautiful cannabis plant and those ingredients like, you know, moneyed in these other ingredients just to, you know, consume these products. So starting there, what is Fruit Slabs? How did you get started with Fruit Slabs? You're the CMO. Are you also one of the founders? 
I'm not one of the founders, but I am one of the owners now. I started with Fruits Labs in 2020, and it's exactly like you said. It's a kosher certified vegan, no sugar added fruit leather. And it was Fruits Labs really kind of paved the way for the road for kosher certified edibles. We were the first to be kosher certified. And we did that because of the regulatory restrictions that say we are not allowed to say our products are organic. Even though we use all organic fruits and, you know, kosher certified cannabis, we were not allowed to say our product was organic anymore. So we still wanted to show that standard of we are producing a quality product. We are producing an organic product. So we went the extra step and got kosher certified. Fun fact, actually, about over 60 percent of the items in the grocery store are kosher certified. So I would love it if the dispensary retailer side decided to take on that demographic and be like, oh, let's add more kosher certified, more organic things onto the menu because you don't go into the grocery store and have this moment of there's nothing I can eat here. But if you are on any kind of restrictive diet, if you have any any issue that you have to watch your numbers, diabetes, Lyme disease, whatever it may be, you're very limited in what you have access to. And that's why Fruit Slabs was created, was to give people who live a healthier lifestyle access to cannabis and medicine that, you know, plants as medicine and food as medicine, really combining those together so that it's just all in together. We call it functional food. Yes. I am right there with you. I think it is not even like to diminish it to like a trend. It shouldn't be a trend. I think it's becoming like people's way of life. And to your point, knowing the percentage of kosher products that exist in the grocery stores, even just looking at the adoption now of maybe some big brands who are learning to, you know, change up their ingredients, but also especially just like the, I would say, trend of going more health conscious or people's, you know, mindfulness. It is so radical to me that cannabis is, like if you don't want sugar, you have to smoke it essentially. And the majority of people who don't really want to inhale something are looking for products that fit a little bit more of a health-minded approach. And there really is a limitation for those products in the marketplace. Now you guys are entering the market and providing relief in that category. I want to back up a little bit. I want to understand how did you get introduced to Fruit Slabs? What is your journey in the industry? Like, where did you come from? Did you come from cannabis? Did you always consume cannabis? Are you a, like a new cannabis consumer? I just find it so fun and fascinating because, well, because people, they listen to this podcast and hopefully I've done a good job of kind of like showing the wide range of opportunities. But like, to me, if I was listening, I'd want to be like, how do I do that? Like, what do I need to do? Do I need to go get a degree? Do I need to like have a CPG background? Like, right. Yes and no, obviously, right? We all come from unique backgrounds. So I just love learning where my guests come from that like put you in this position to be like operating this brand. So like, how'd you get here? Yeah, so I was actually raised in Southeast Tennessee. So I'm very familiar with living in a red state. She knows. <laughs> I was raised to believe I was allergic to cannabis because I was adopted and all of my adopted family was white. My brother got arrested at 17 for smoking a joint in like an abandoned building and he got off with community service. But I was 12 at the time and my mom was like, mm that's probably not going to happen to you if you do that. You're just allergic to weed. Don't touch it. And at 12 years old, I was like, all right, okay. Why would she lie to me? <laughs> Must be allergic to weed. So I didn't, you know, I'm not one of those people who really started smoking at an early age. That was not my path. I went all the way through high school. I didn't drink. I was on the dance team. I did a lot of like scholastic stuff, but 
once I got into college and got through my second year of college, the people that I were hanging out with were really just like, you're not allergic to weed. <laughs> we promise, we promise you're not allergic to it. And just please smoke with us. And if something happens, we'll take you to the hospital. And of course I smoked. And I was just like, oh my God, what other like fear-based programs am I just basically running that absolutely are just rooted in, you know, I realized that, and as a mother now, I realized why my mother told me that, because it's like, you will do anything to protect your kids. So, you know, I started smoking weed when I still lived in Tennessee and, you know, started to just kind of learn about it. That was in, I think I was 19 when I first smoked weed for the first time. And then once I, I met my first husband and now divorced, but whatever, one and done out there. The one most wonderful thing that came from that relationship is my son. And I had to consume and had the whole interaction with the hospital staff at 40 weeks when I was induced and had this whole conversation with my OB at the time. And she was like, so you and him tested positive for THC. And I knew in that moment that I had to present myself, even though I was like, six hours out of having just given birth and then they decide to come and talk to me about this which I thought was just a little odd but at this point I was much more educated than I was at 19 and I was only 21 but still I was able to articulate that I knew about this plant and I knew the benefits of it and she didn't report me to CPS and it was like it kind of awakened something in me to be like, okay, if you can present that, you know, like if you can articulate in a way that is not, you know, defending yourself or just being like, well, I didn't do anything wrong. Like if you can actually educate the person that's asking you about this, you have a better chance of them not doing something that can ruin your life. So fast forward to, you know, a few years later, I am 25 years old, still living in Tennessee and really just am trying to figure out what I want to do with life, what I, you know, where I want to be. And I knew I wanted to be in California. Like the end goal was always to be in California. You know, it was kind of like what place is going to present the opportunity first. And that was Colorado. So in 2015, I moved to Colorado and started working with, I started looking online for cannabis jobs. And I was like, well, what can I do in cannabis? I was like, I'm already a writer. I love to write. And I've written for my entire life. I used to win awards in school for writing. So I was like, I can write. I can do that. I know what I can do. <laughs> I'll, write. I'll write for a cannabis brand. So I found a weed wedding website called Love and Mary J. And I reached out and I was like, I always wanted an alternative to the pink bride. I was like, where is like the weed bride or the green bride? Like, because when I was planning my first, like, you know, when I first got engaged, when I was like freaking 21 years old, I was like, oh my God, I'm so excited to plan a wedding and go to these wedding expos. And when I got to the wedding expos, I was like, this is so lame. Like, I don't like this. I want there to be like different things that are offered. So I started working with that brand and they became the first weed wedding event guide. So they would basically teach you if you came to them and you were like, well, I'm having a wedding in Oregon and I want to have cannabis at my wedding. How do I do it? So we taught them the compliance that they needed to know, all the details. We helped them find vendors that would work with them, photographers, limousines, everything. And in 2015, it was way different. Like, it was so different. So, I mean, even in California and the main states that we dealt with were Colorado, Washington, and California. 
So it was really like a lot of learning the compliance and regulations in three different locations to be able to help all of the people because people don't not reach out to the people who are doing wedding stuff. That is, there's so much money spent on weddings that we were like, okay, we know we're in a really good, we know we're at a good intersection here with weed and weddings. And in 2015, there weren't a lot of people doing that. So we did a weed wedding giveaway where we basically gave away a venue, an entire wedding package, a cannabis pairing dinner, a dress, like like the whole huge package. Through that entire position, I really learned event production for cannabis brands and for cannabis in general. Knowing all the regulations and how to produce events in different areas made me be like, well, I don't really have a lot of friends in Colorado. I don't know anybody here, so I'm going to make my own events. And I started like a small women's event that was called the Green Lodge. And you would come every month and it was based around basically doing a two hour intensive so that you would get metaphysical healing. So we would do Reiki, we would do Kundalini yoga. And every month was kind of catered to working with the cannabis plant in a different way for whatever that moon cycle was or whatever the astrological type of, it was very witchy. And like Whitney came to one of my first green lodges and that's how I met her. And we've been just, you know, friends ever since. And then through that, I met a wonderful man that we were working with at Love and Marriage named Philip Wolf. And I started to be trained as a cannabis sommelier in 2018 and started doing private cannabis pairing dinners where I got to really work more one-on-one with the brides and the grooms and the people that wanted to have these dinners and educate them personally in like a dinner setting. So it was really, that's what I really loved is I loved being able to educate people on the plant, how they can use it because I came from the complete other end of the spectrum of being like, I was told I was allergic to this and I was very anti-cannabis growing up. So being able to be like, no, you should absolutely <laughs> really, like, I really liked that. And, and at that time, between love and marriage and working with Cultivating Spirits, I was doing consulting for different brands and I would go and speak on panels and do different workshops at different places. And one of those was the Emerald Cup. So I was at the Emerald Cup and I think it was my... I don't know if it was my, now that I've told the story so many times, I can't remember if it was my first Emerald Cup or it wasn't. So I went to the Emerald Cup kind of on a fluke. I wanted to go see the Roots for my birthday and they happened to be playing the Emerald Cup that year. And the Emerald Cup is always around my birthday. So I was like, all right, sweet, I'm going to go. And I went and like super easy, long story short, that's where I met the love of my life and my life partner now. And he's the one who actually introduced me to the product. And at the time, I was having these issues with artificial flavorings and artificial colorings giving me UTIs. So I was like, I need to find a cannabis edible that I can eat 30 to 40 milligrams of and not be in taking more sugar and irritating the actual problem. So when Brandon introduced me to Fruit Slabs, I was like, wow, this is the product I've been looking for. Like, I can actually eat a lot of this and be, you know, and get relief. So I wrote about it on my blog. It's called, it was from like 2018. It's called the Stoned Life Oracle. And it was like a cannabis and metaphysical blog. And I talked about how other women 
could use Fritz Labs to treat their UTIs and like endometriosis pain. And that was just kind of it. Like we, you know, we started dating. I was living in Colorado. He was living in California. It was long distance. But every time we were together, I would be able to have this product. And I was like, okay, this is really like, this is really great. I really like this product. I loved the branding. I liked the website. And then Fast forward to 2020, we moved to Long Beach and the former team really was like, we need somebody to do this, that and the other. And I was like, oh, those are in my wheelhouse. I can do those things. So I kind of came in and started working with them. And then we had some shifts and changes. And I moved into this marketing position because they saw my strengths and they knew like I already had my podcast and I already had all these other things. And when I left Denver, I was actually the marketing lead for the company Suja, the juice company. So I was really about that healthy life. Like I like working for someone that produces a product that is, you know, actually beneficial to you and your kids. So I moved to Long Beach, started working more and getting really like being here in California is completely different than just visiting and being, you know, going to an event here, an event there when you're really here and you're directly dealing with the issues and the problems it's like oh my god no wonder everyone's underwater (laughs) it makes so much sense but (laughs) but you know coming into fruits labs in the past two years we've really tried to fine-tune the way that we represent ourselves the way that we are representing our community and getting access to the community for us it's really about being able to provide this medicine for as many people as possible because we know that people are looking for this product and we don't want to be the only one that offers a product that has no added sugar. We want there to be more people that see this in the market and are like, oh, well, yeah, there is this whole section in a grocery store here, here, here and here. So let's put that in our retail shop. Let's have a just a kosher certified section or just a vegan section because for my partner, he has an allergy to all nuts and every nut. So reading the ingredients is, yeah, it's a, I do not read the ingredients. If the ingredients are on there, I'm not eating it type of situation because he's had way too many close calls. And as we know, the early days of edibles, who knows? (laughs) So, you know, it really comes down back to just really like, I wanted to be a part of a company that was doing something that was creative and really different and niche. And I was already living that lifestyle where I wanted to help and educate the community, working with the sommeliers and doing just the wedding stuff and learning about these events and how to produce my own events. Everything that, I mean, I didn't start out thinking I was going to be a marketing officer. I definitely didn't think that. When I first met the brand, I was like, I totally want to work for that brand. Oh my God, I love that product. That would be so cool. But my advice is to never really have expectation, no matter how big the brand looks or is, never have an expectation because it's cannabis and it's completely different than any other space or industry that you really try to be in. But the amount of opportunity that is available here is so untapped. It's remarkable. There's space for everybody. There's no like, If you come in, there's going to be less for somebody else. That's absolutely not the case. And for the most part, we all really need that special thing that each person brings to this industry because the plant works with everybody individually like that, too. Just mic drop, like everything you said. I thought that was such a great 
story just to share. Obviously, it's personal and unique to you. And I know that it's certainly not as easy communicating it as living it, right? It's like you got to go through some of these challenges. And like you were sharing too, expectations need to be adjusted when you are navigating cannabis because every state is different. Every brand is different. Every individual person. I have a very big you know, ethos for the show, which is kind of the spirit of To Be Blunt, which is sharing transparently because the more that we share, the more the rising tide lifts all boats. We should all be in this together to some extent. Obviously, certain proprietary stuff, I'm not here trying to be like, you know, spill your beans. But at the same time, how can we help each other make sense of this industry? And ultimately, at the end of the day, I think cannabis is really rooted. Yes, there's a recreational aspect, but I do believe part of recreation is just to like feel better and just like to disconnect. And so I'm not judging anybody, you know, trying to navigate their health and wellness journey in any capacity, any regard. But how do we communicate, be on the same, you know, playing ground, speak the same language? And I think, you know, this podcast for me has at least been a a conduit to have those conversations to level set and to really just tap into what's going on in other states and cities because it is so different, you know, kind of market to market. And so kind of with that, you know, I mean, I feel like there's so many directions we can take it. I, I want to hear like how you've navigated the transition from, I guess, Colorado market to California. I also want to get into just like the brand itself. I know you guys have done some really creative marketing tactics that I think are really smart. And I've done a little bit similar myself. So I kind of wanted to have a little jam session with you on that. You mentioned you have a podcast, you have a podcast. You've also released, I'm going to, butcher it yeah it's a long name you can butcher it <laughs> the, the metaphysical cannabis oracle deck which full disclosure i i know my like i'm a libra you know but i don't know anything else and like the other you know kind of like added thing that i'll like pepper in there you know using cannabis to help treat certain things you mentioned you know just kind of like some feminine issues i'll kind of categorize that you know endometriosis being a big one that i see a lot of our customers from a cbd perspective cannabis thc in general people seeking out it's not always talked about those sides of the conversation and for me it's interesting because i just think there's there's a lot of sensitivity to it too and people just like don't really understand some of these things that they are doing and why i think it's relevant for this conversation obviously because what we put in our body matters, right? And so I, for a long time, was on birth control and I was not synced up to anything, you know, anywhere, spiritual, anything. And then I had a girlfriend once who was like making some remarks about just like different seasons, obviously. And when, again, I'm butchering it because I'm like the most like, I don't know how to like navigate these things sometimes. But when you get off birth control, you become more in sync with just like nature cycle, right? And so how powerful is that and like tapping into it? So for me, there's been all these threads of like, how do I get off, you know, medication? How do I get off these bad ingredients? How do I make sure what I'm putting in my body is clean, is safe, is efficacious, is quality? How do I be more in tune when I am consuming certain ingredients, whether it's a juice to replenish me or an edible to make me, you know, feel less pain or to feel more relieved in my body, just more empowered, more at peace, comfortable in my body. And so I think your background, your brand, what you're kind of doing speaks to a lot of those same threads. So to start unraveling one of them, I don't know what's the right one to unravel, but just hearing to your journey starting the Green Lodge events, like obviously that has a very big tie into this metaphysical kind of world. And so I know that 
to me at least, you know, we are who we are as a human, regardless of what we do for work, but being able to kind of like marry the two and bring a little bit of like who we are, like how do we show up in the world to the opportunity that is cannabis, business, things like that, I just think is really unique. And it seems like you found a good kind of environment to facilitate all of these things that kind of seem to be growing together. quick break to say thank you to Restart CBD for sponsoring this podcast. Restart CBD is a brand my sisters and I founded in our hometown in Austin, Texas. We operate a retail location as well as an e-commerce store, and you can browse our wide range of CBD products at restartcbd.com. Again, thank you to Restart for allowing me the time and resources to put on To Be Blunt. I hope you'll check them out for your CBD needs. Let's go back to the episode. So maybe let's start with, you know, just looking at Colorado versus California from a market perspective. And the last thing I'll kind of add on to that is, you know, California seems to have a really big health and wellness like vibe. So from a product perspective, what has that been like going into market, knowing that you're kind of the first to push these products out, but certainly not the last. And have you seen kind of like more people being like, oh, you know what? We also would like to use less ingredients that are better for you. And kind of what is that lane look like? Because I do feel that it's non-traditional to what I observe people are consuming. They just want to buy shitty juiced up gummies. I mean, you said it best. What we put in our body really matters. And the first time that I smoked weed, I realized that not only what I was putting in my body was the food that and the things that I were actually intaking, it was the thoughts that I was thinking. And I was thinking that this was going to harm me. So when I moved to Colorado, it was really about educating myself, like really figuring out what works, what didn't work. And surprisingly, when I did my events in Colorado versus California, I had much more turnout in California. But I mean, I guess it's not surprising because Colorado is very wellness minded in that kind of way, too, is that there's so much sunshine that there are a lot of people outside doing activities. But we actually haven't licensed fruit slabs into Colorado yet because we're an intellectual property brand. So each state can have like a licensee that brings the edible to their state. For us, I mean, the difference in California and Colorado, the best way that I could describe it was how I had to interact with my vendors and retailers when I was getting product for my events. So in Colorado in 2015 and 2016, it was pretty easy. I would just email someone and then they would be like, okay, here, we'll just bring the product to you. And it's like, okay, great. And then I'll pull you know, up. Thank you. <laughs> I'll pull up. Right. You know, but then in California, like around, it was still 2017 when I was doing my events here. So we were still in those Prop 215 days. So it was very similar in that aspect of like, they would just give you product. People would just bring product. They would just bring the concentrates or just bring the, you know, and it was just really very, you know, kind of then once it really switched over, we know that unless you had someone as a brand that could really direct you to go from Prop 215 into this new Prop 64, I guess, you know, into that basically to make the leap or the jump, you had to have somebody who knew how to set up your business, how to run your business so that you could actually survive. Once Fruit Slabs went through that hurdle and had that and had Brandon basically bring them into this new market, 
they were really able to, that's when I think our marketing kind of started to get a little bit more centric and different, especially in 2020. That's when we created the, what we call the Coast Liberator Network, which made it to where anybody in the United States or globally now can be a brand ambassador for our brand because we do have CBD products and non-infused products and they all taste the same. So the like the food science and the tech behind it made it to where all three of the products actually taste the same. So we're able to kind of, for me, I felt like the difference really was now and since the pandemic, it's really like the way that I can get the product to people is similar to those earlier days because I have another option. If you want to try another brand, there's not really a non-infused version of it. Some of them there are, but it's still a sugar-coated gummy. And it's just like, oh, okay, how do we start that path? Like we really, when I say paved the way, like the road was laid down and then other brands were like, oh yeah, we definitely want to be kosher certified too. And we want to start using more, you know, better ingredients and less less flavor additives and saying, you know, and not using gelatin. After Fruits Labs came out, there was a huge push in the marketing all over cannabis to be like, we're, you know, this brand is vegan. This is gelatin free, pushing the pectin, pushing the pectin route. But if you're not, like you said this best, if you don't know what you don't know, and pectin is, if you have a heart disease or take certain heart medications, you can't eat it. So There's still, there's like only the one alternative if you're a vegan and you can't have sugar and all these other things. So it's really interesting how there's more no sugar added options on the beverage side than there are the edible side. And even though both of those markets are much smaller markets, they take up less market share than flour or concentrates, there's far less kind of competition when it comes to creating a healthy, a little bit of a healthier product, which everybody says that they want to, you know, help the community and be, you know, providing for their community. That's what the whole stick is. But when you either, whether you're the retailer, whether you're the buyer, whether you're the, you know, whoever you are, somebody is making the choice to put what's on the shelf on the shelf. And they're making the choice to not carry things that they know would benefit the people that are coming in looking for products like, yeah, if there's 10 people that come in, maybe six and seven of them are looking for flour. But those three to four people that aren't looking for flour could become a lifelong customer of that brand, whatever it is, because they're getting what they need. Like when you find something at the store that you love, you go back and you continue to buy it. I compare it to the grocery store all the time because I really feel I like to say that that's the best way, like that's the best comparison. If the dispensary could be more like the grocery store, like it doesn't have to be Whole Foods. It could be the pavilions or the Ralph's or whatever it's called. We just have those options for people. It's so hard though. And I feel like this theme keeps popping up in other interviews I've been having too, where And obviously this is like your whole brand. So it makes sense for you guys to be championing it. I think depending on what interval in the industry you're at, it's hard because like excluding quality of ingredients, just using cannabinoids, for example, there is like a whole market of people who don't care 
about it. They just want to get high and they could care less if it's distillate or rosin or they think they love their sativa edibles. <laughs> Delta A versus Delta 9. Like they just some people don't care. They just want to get high. And it's so hard. And I think the industry sometimes like we put ourselves back in the corner of just like, well, if everybody just wants to get high, well, if everybody just wants gummies, like, well, this is just this, this is the trend. Do it. Yeah. Like, let's this just is what do the it. consumer wants instead of educating the consumer on what they actually want, which is what the other brands and the other industries do. They make propaganda and advertisements to tell you what you want. 100%. <laughs> I just think our industry is, you know, to put it delicately, it's like, you know, we're kind of like on like three legs instead of four legs. You know, like we're not fully stable. So it's like, you know, on one day I'm sitting on two legs, I'm good. And then when I lean on this side, I'm like, oh shit, I'm kind of like falling down. We're a three-legged dog. Yeah. <laughs> and so it's just, again, not that anything is right or wrong. It obviously takes companies like yourself, like who are paving the way where you're saying, okay, I can't do this organic certification. I'm going to go after kosher certification, which sidebar, does kosher automatically mean organic to people who are kosher? No, it means that the practices that the way that the food was produced is clean and clear of all things that they consider to be unhealthy or unsanitary or unlike meat, dairy, and something else. But it's, it means that it doesn't have any contact with that from start to finish, that it's a completely clean environment and that it's been hectored, blessed, innocent. God, yes. I knew the religious aspect of it. I just didn't know if there was some correlation to organic, but from a cleanliness perspective, that makes sense. And is at least obviously like a I can't guarantee where those edibles are made. You know, and I think another term might be like GMP certifications where it's like a, you know, good manufacturing practices. People are doing like, I'm in this facility versus that facility. You can tell quality perhaps, you know, and it's obviously like a marketing thing too. So there's definitely people who are kosher for religious reasons, but then I think from a brand perspective, which is so interesting, I met my fiance because he got his farm in Texas at the time. He's no longer running it organic certified he was growing hemp oh, first year that is so hard to do super hard to do i think maybe only one other person did it in texas he flew someone in from california to do it but my whole thing was like that's a marketing label i was like do you want to be on my podcast you should be on my podcast and so that's how we met was just him kind of navigating that and getting connected to me through our local industry and so yeah we talked about it but it comes to mind because again it's not that like organic is good. Like you absolutely like should want to be putting organic things in your body. If you don't need organic, you should look into it. Obviously it's been around for a while. So it's kind of like, you know, I don't need to explain why organic is better, but from a marketing perspective, it is a label claim. It is a differentiator, right? And so I look at obviously kosher, as I'm sure you guys do too. There is the religious aspect, but it's also a differentiator on your label that allows you to make a claim, a stake, like draw a line in the sand that says like this, that, and the other. Another thing you said that I thought was super interesting and I wanted to just like talk about it a little bit more because I've seen other cannabis brands open up CBD or hemp specific lines of their products. Sometimes they do it under the same brand name as you guys have done. Sometimes they do it under a whole separate brand because they don't want their marijuana business touching their hemp business. I'm curious if there is any benefit or pro con pro of like you guys deciding, obviously, like I can assume to your earlier comment, 
it makes the most sense to put it all under the same name. I have dosed, non-dosed, and CBD products. And no matter where you get it, you're getting a fruit slab. And you can market to those customers in a way that's like, hey, if you like this, when you're in California, you should go get the one that has THC in it. Or, hey, your grandma really likes when you're on this and she's does on the THC, but she can do the CBD. So I understand the benefit of it, but it's a little foreign for, I think, the industry to kind of look at it that way. Again, I think there's different scenarios. So I'm just curious how you guys decided, like, why you were like, you know what, let's take on the regulated hemp market as well as we are navigating things and how that works from a manufacturing perspective. Do you have to keep things separate? Is it all the same? It's like that one's got the dose in it. So don't, you know mislabel it like I can just imagine you know certain challenges and issues so I'm just you know projecting and I'm curious how that is navigating from you guys no this is absolutely great and this really gets into how we have to operate as a cannabis business in different states so in California we don't have we have a co-manufacturing license so our manufacturer produces THC fruit slabs in NorCal. So our CBD production is not done at the same place our THC production is done at. And our CBD production was actually taking place in Oklahoma because the cough (laughs) and it's much easier to produce it there. The reason that it all is the same is because the current CEO is actually an intellectual property expert. So the aspect of having brand continuity And having like our trademark is slabs. So fruit slabs, floral slabs, sour slabs. Like we have different analogs of the fruit slabs. Those non-infused samples were first made to basically educate the bud tenders so that they would know like this is what the product tastes like. This is how you can describe it to someone. But yeah, the way that we manufacture it, the CBD and the non-infused samples are, we take up such a small footprint that it's literally like the size of one of those big kitchen when you're in the, like a restaurant kitchen. Like it's like a big size, you know, it's very small footprint and it's very easy, not easy to make the product, but one person can make the product. So it's not a lot of overhead. It's really the mango is just mango puree. And if you're not putting a cannabinoid in it, it's just the one ingredient as the non-infused slab. So it's very much just like you pour it out, you dehydrate, you know, it's dehydrated. So it's dehydrated fruit leather. It's literally like a, we say it is a real fruit roll up with actual fruit or, you know, yeah, because that's essentially what it is, is our old fruit roll-ups were high fructose corn syrup (laughs) and like Red 40. I love those in my tween years though. Man, that Red 40 got me through so many days. (laughs) I'm on that wave though, where I'm like, like lately I've been craving, I kid you not like Pop-Tarts, just like a good old fashioned Pop-Tart. But I'm now like, okay, who's like the healthier version of a Pop-Tart? Like there surely has to be like a someone who's at least being a little bit more conscious. Of those yes, like, <laughs> come on, like, let's do it. And then there's like a local baker. She does gluten-free stuff. And I just saw her promoting like Fig Newton. Like ask things. I'm like, oh, oh, I'm like, oh my God, I got to go buy some of those from her because she's using all, you know, clean gluten-free ingredients. I'm like, I just really want a Fig Newton. And then I read the label and I'm like, yeah, I don't really want the Fig Newton that badly because I don't want to be putting that crap in my body. And so it's just, uh, again, going back to that kind of grocery store mindset where people are having these options of kind of like good, better, best. It's like there should be that in cannabis. And I think we're so hung up, I think, unfortunately, on 
other marketable aspects which are relevant, but at the same time from a health perspective, which is where it gets so interesting, where cannabis is like deemed this health thing and the ways to consume it are like inhalation and also covered in sugar, which no shade to either. I do both of those on the daily. So, you know, it just is. I eat other edibles besides fruit slabs, but you know, like, and I love those, some, some really like sugary edibles. Some of the sugary ones are so good, but I can only eat one. Exactly. You like, you want to like compound or like add multiple. If you're doing it every day, like it really has become an issue that I've confronted with where I'm really grateful for, especially being in Texas, right? Where I don't have access to full like products like that. I love like having like an Ardent or a Levo where I can make my own edibles at home. So I do like paleo baked goods where it's cleaner ingredients and obviously you know what's going in it so you can still get it. Otherwise, I'm like every day I eat super clean and then right before bed, I'm like, here's my sugar cube, like your one little sugar treat. You earned it. So it's it's all about balance, right? There's not a right or wrong. But yeah, I thought that was so smart for you guys. And it makes sense, obviously, having an intellectual property lawyer on your team who is really helping kind of guide some of that protection because... That is also something that our industry doesn't really get the benefit of tapping into as much. And so having somebody who understands it and can navigate it obviously can help, you know, just secure the brand that you're building and then being able to empower you with, I love the term like brand ambassadors. You can get people who are brand ambassadors who, again, maybe aren't local to California, but they really want to try your product. They really want to connect. It builds that awareness, their content, their association, et cetera. You know, right? So yeah. And the to touch on the co-collaborators, that that came to me because I was a collaborator for another brand that I was that I just like consumed their product all the time. So they made me a brand ambassador. And I was like, we should do this for Fruit Slabs. This would be really, really good. And then I found out about user-generated content marketing and the co-collaborator network doubled in size in the past 30 days and became global. We have co-collaborators in Canada and South Africa and one person in Norway. I was like, oh my gosh. So that aspect, like it really, the co-collaborators and the, like the collaborators, that is what has really been such a fuel for our marketing besides us going to like actually, you know, in-person events and being there. One of our co-collaborators is Jamie London Wahlberg, Tranibus Kitchen, Tranibus Chi. And he has made over 50 recipes with Fruit Slab on his own cooking show. And that his cooking show is it's here on LinkedIn. You can find it on, I think he streamed it on YouTube as well, but like it's all on his website. But he has so many recipes where he has used Fruit Slabs because they don't melt. That's the first thing is they don't melt. Like you can leave them in Texas on your dashboard in Austin and you will still be able to peel it off the parchment paper that it comes on because it is it is such a versatile product. So it's not only just a cannabis edible. We really want to, you know, bring it into this marketing funnel of this is a functional food. This is a food that you can use that your grandma could use, that your mom could use, that your dad or your uncle, if somebody wants to, you know, have five or 10 milligrams, you can cut the mango up and put it on their salad or put it in a smoothie for them to where they don't have to inhale it. And my mom passed away after I came on, like before I came on to Fruit Slabs, but she was one of those people that I knew how much she would have needed to benefit from a product like this. 
because she had chronic bronchitis and she had COPD. So she was not going to smoke weed. It was out of the question for her. So we would use those like transdermal patches. But in Tennessee, we weren't really able to get a lot of, you know, there wasn't a lot of accessibility. And Fruit Flabs is making it to where wherever you are, if you want to start an edible brand, you can license our intellectual property and start your own edible brand in your state and be providing your community with something that actually helps them. That it's like, oh, I want to get into cannabis, but I also want to help people. You want to start your own edible brand? (laughs) Just too cool. Like this is like the kind of stuff that I just like love learning about because it is so, I think marketing is fun where obviously there's like big, big budgets, like big campaigns, like you're going to go like super crazy, but like you're talking about user generated content. That's what UGC stands for. I want to dive into that a little bit more. Like, how do you manage UGC? Just like transparently speaking, it's a term that I'm familiar with. I know it kind of like from a shell perspective of like, yeah, we send people boxes of products and they take pictures of it and they send those pictures and tag us. We can use those in content, things like that. But then even getting into some of these collaborators, are you paying them? Is it like a traditional influencer model? Is this different than influencer marketing? Like, how does that kind of work? I'm just curious to kind of like, understand a little bit more of that because I do think influencer marketing is super trendy for cannabis businesses because we're censored in so many other capacities. And I'm just like scratching the surface on user generated content, but no, nothing other than what the acronym stands for. (laughs) Okay, great. So because of, I mean, I keep bringing it back to Brandon, but Brandon really is the brains behind Fruit Slabs and why we are able to be still alive to this day. And this whole 280E marketing is not deductible has been in the back of my head since I came on. We can't spend money that we're not getting a return on because we're a small business and our product costs so much to make. So it is, it just doesn't make sense to us to pay an influencer who may or may not generate sales. That's the thing is when it comes to For me, like I used to sell cars, I've sold clothes at Ross, I've done everything that you could do on the retail side of anything. And if something doesn't generate sales, my boss would be like, you can't do that. Don't do that. That's a waste of money. So we really started seeing how our marketing dollars weren't bringing in the return on the investment that we were making. So then I, you know, like I'm always looking for new things. So I was really deep into Pinterest and I was using Pinterest like just crazily. And through the amazing algorithm, it started filtering in something called UGC content. So I went down the rabbit hole as I'm a Sagittarius and I really went down the rabbit hole. (laughs) I jumped fully in and was like, what is UGC? How do we do this? What is it? How is it different than influencer marketing? And that's where I was like, we're going to use UGC over influencer marketing and cannabis brands need to be doing this as well. Because with an influencer, you can have a contract, you pay them and they may or may not use, you know, they either provide you with the advertisement or whatever you're going to use for whatever. The difference with UGC creators is it doesn't matter their following. They're not bringing your product to their audience. They're producing high quality content that you have the rights to. So they sell you 
their intellectual property, their copyrighted videos, their copyrighted photos, and you get to use those as whatever you want. Nike is doing this. Whole Foods is doing this. Every major brand is using user-generated content because people relate more to user-generated content than they do an influencer telling them they should buy a product because there's no authenticity from the brand to the influencer. To It's like a continuity skip. When you've got a UGC creator, they make the content and they give it directly to the brand and then the brand directly puts it out. An influencer makes the content, gives it to the brand. The brand then can decide whether they're going to put it on their Instagram, their YouTube or whatever, but it still contains that influencer and they still need that influencer's reach and market to make the sales and get the return on their investment. So for UGC creators, how I keep up with everyone is I started a different UGC Twitter, solely just like a brand new Twitter that's only UGC content, started following different UGCers and major brands that use UGC content. I mean, the whole Savage Fenty ambassador program is essentially user-generated content. That's how they got the ambassadors to be ambassadors as they did like a call to action during the pandemic and was like, send us in your Savage X Fenty looks and you have a chance to be an ambassador. And like some of the people I know in LA, that's how they became ambassadors for, for Rihanna. <laughs> I was like, damn, I missed it. But, you know, it really, it really made me think. I really jumped into it. I created basically the, how you become a, a collaborator anyway, was you just filled out a Google form. It was super easy on our website. You just told us what you would do and we would bring you on. And when I brought on the UGC creators, they all came from all over the country because I was connecting to them via Twitter. So then I just funneled everybody into the Google form and then emailed all of them with a contract and a PDF document that basically said, you're signing up for a gifted collab. So there's gifted collabs and then there's paid collabs. A UGC creator who was just building their portfolio wants to do gifted collabs because they want to produce the content that's really good so they can go to the Nikes and the Joe Malones and the Rihannas and be like, look what I made. I made this for you. Do you want to buy my video? And seven to nine times out of 10, the brand is like, oh, great. Yes, we will buy your video because that means we don't have to contact this influencer, go through the whole rigmarole of doing this. You're giving us exactly what we need. It makes it so much easier for the brand. And the detachment from not having to have an audience or have a following makes UGC content creators have more accessibility to the cannabis industry because you don't have to have a big following to be a UGC creator. You just have to be good with your iPhone. I'm like, you're spitting facts and I am just like, how do I do what you are doing. It is so brilliant. Like I said, I'm just scratching the surface. I think my listeners, viewers know this a little bit about me. I came from the influencer world. I wouldn't say I'm like the best influencer because I used to be like food blogging that I was in the accident that I did lifestyle content. Super fortunate. got to work with brands like SoulCycle and the Westin Hotels, but then got into CBD and was like, oh, I'm just going to make cannabis content. Obviously, Instagram doesn't like when I make cannabis content. So I'm in this like struggle bus of, yeah, having platform with people, but then at the same time, creating content. To your point, I see the, I love the little visualizations like, you don't want to go here. You want to go like this way. 
that makes sense. Why would the brands go through someone like me as an influencer when they could go through someone like me on the sidebar and I'm just going to make them the content and they're either going to give me product or pay me. And I don't even, who cares how many followers I have? Because I made you a dope ass video and that's all you really care about. And you're just going to put it on your website. You're going to put it in your newsletter and you pay for those rights. It's essentially more of an intellectual property relationship with your influencer instead of being like, yeah, can you influence this product? Like, no, where I honestly think that, and the numbers show people respond to UGC content better than they respond to influencer content, like 40% more interactions, click rates, buy rate, everything. People want to see your product being used. They don't give a shit who is using it because maybe they don't like that person. <laughs> and if all you see is their hand scooping out your ice cream or eating your gummy or putting on your transdermal patch, whatever the fuck it is. If it's a genuine video that looks like genuine content, I always say, would I buy that? Would I be interested in that? Because I, half the time I'm like, well, I would. I wouldn't buy that because that person's just telling me to. Like, obviously, they got paid to tell you to buy it. So it's a little bit of a difference when you've got your UGC creators. And I, once everybody replied and sent back their email and confirmed that they were going to do this gifted collab, like that's transparency is key. A gifted collab means we're not paying you, but you're getting to build your portfolio. And they, they want to do a gifted collab because that builds their portfolio to go to somebody else. But how I keep everybody in one place and be able to communicate with them is not Slack, it's Discord. Because Discord is the jam when it comes to being able to communicate with everybody in one quick space. If you wanna have a video chat with somebody, you can just hop into a room. If somebody has questions, I'll do like a monthly Q&A where they can just come in and be like, well, what is this about Fruit Slabs? Or I don't know this, or what do I say about this? And really just make it to where I'm their resource. I'm their marketing resource. And if they have any questions, they just jump into the discord and they can ask. And no matter where they are, whether they're in the United States or they're not, I can still send them product. So that content can be made no matter what. And you can't tell the difference in a THC slab and a non-infused slab. It looks exactly the same. No, this like this is the mic drop. Like this, forget the earlier mic drop. Like love your intro story, super great, love like happy. This, like this is brilliant. And I'm so happy that you are finding success with it and like mastering it and also like willing to share aspects of it because it is something, again, I've observed, I've sort of seen certain influencer friends of mine start transitioning to like I have one in particular she's not a cannabis person by any means but she is like a coach so she does influencer content but then she also is like trying to coach people to be like small business owners and she had a course that's all about UGC and so she's who I've been seeing a lot of her content I'm like yes this seems like a trend and then to your point I'm starting observing other big brands are latching on or have already been doing it but now the terms are kind of coming to market and and kind of the dots are being connected we had a girl who reached out a couple months ago offering to do UGC, but admittedly, I was like, I don't know how to approach this. Because I'm still influencer marketing and I understand like what influencer marketing is. And the industry is very much still like that too. Yeah, I believe the it. industry is very much focused on influencer marketing. And because we can't deduct our marketing dollars, UGC marketing is the answer to your solution. Like it is the answer to 
I'm not supposed to spend this. My investors are going to be mad if I'm spending this on this and not getting a return. How do I justify these marketing dollars? Or how do I justify the lack of these marketing dollars? And how can I still get reach? And I mean, I love it. I think it's great. I think that if once I figured it out and once I went down the rabbit hole, I was like, I have to write a LinkedIn newsletter about this because I want to consult other brands on how they can save so much money. I see so much money. Like we get decks, we get asked for sponsorship all the time. And I see all these different cannabis events happening and how much they're charging for sponsorships. And some of their deliverables are just like Instagram stories or, you know, an Instagram post. And it's like, but what if I gave you a video that you could use on your website or in every email marketing that you send out for the next year for the same price? And then you're actually getting more use of the content and you're not just showing it one, you know, one or two times and then you can't reuse it. It's the answer. No, it is the answer. <laughs> I think so. No, I want to empower <laughs> you. Rough. I think it's one of those things too, you know, when you can find a solution for you, how do you, you know, again, market it to where you can help others figure it out as well, who maybe don't have the time, they don't have the skills. It's just, you know, you shouldn't just go through something and find the resolution. Maybe you could for yourself, but it's obviously better when you can capitalize and kind of, you know, help shift an industry. So I'm excited for people to kind of tune into this episode and, you know, as an example of the conversation, but encourage you to just keep having those conversations. I'm empowered to dive into my little deep hole of UGC because- Again, it's like being an, I hate being called an influencer too. I'm like, it's a bad word these days. Like people are kind of like, ew, influencers. I'm like, I know I'm not one, but. Getting a bad rep to be an influencer with like the rise of TikTok and Addison Rae and the Kardashians. Like we can only be so much of influencers. And, but it's the evolution of it. It's like, you know, you look at, like I recently watched that Victoria's Secrets documentary, which is like a whole other, like, you know, rabbit hole. But. That'll be on the next episode. <laughs> yes, girl. But that where you looked at those types of models and celebrities as like influential, obviously social media has dismantled that and also empowered others in other regards. But how social media is still the tool for these UGC, you know, content creators and pieces of content. But it's it's just like a different way of using the platform, which I think is the thing in the industry. You have to kind of always be prepared to pivot, evolve, just like, keep going, like keep trying, keep testing things out. So it's very cool to kind of hear that you guys have found a lot of success with that. Seriously, I'm like getting off this call and I'm going to like smoke a fat, you know, bowl or dab or something and like go to town looking up. So where is this newsletter? I got to read it. I want to like, you know, suck up. Oh my God. I'm in the process. I'll write it and I will actually put it out because I have been itching to talk about this, to tell someone about this, other than like my fiance, who I'm just always talking his ear off. I'm like, you no, see, you tell see. me, you tell me. Uh, <laughs> I'm like, this is so great. We have a new, like, and we you know, just, it sounds like it was a short process, but it really wasn't. Like it was really intensive and it took me like three days to create this entire platform that, you know, it's really like you said, online courses and that like made me perked up because that's my other like, that's how you make a million dollars type shit. It's also in my brain. I'm like, online course. I'm like, I need more hours or more hands and more attention span to like do all the things that I want to do realistically. Like, absolutely. Podcast, we're both podcasters. It's like podcasting is like, I love it. And I also I'm like, it's the baby that I need to like tend to constantly. So like, yes, I would love another baby and another baby and another baby. Like just keep adding the projects on the plate. But 
No, so good. Okay, we're almost at time, but I wanted to ask you one final question because I kind of teased it and I was reading a little bit of the story behind it and I was just like, yes, say more. So I was reading somewhere, maybe it was on your website or it was an article, I think, on your website talking about some of your non-traditional marketing tactics and you were talking about how you and Brandon go to concerts and sometimes you'll buy like an extra ticket and invite somebody to go with you. We've to like set the stage, we've done a version of that, but not actually with us. But we started, again, trying to find non-traditional ways to promote things that is not us promoting our products. So we were like, oh, if we do like ticket sales, it's like this comedian, Dave Chappelle's coming to town. I can promote that. And that's not me promoting me, but obviously I'm the one giving the tickets away, incentivizing, blah, blah, blah. I think there's a little bit of trepidation for me if I'm like, hey, yeah, customer, stranger, person, come come on, you want a ticket, you're going to hang out with me now. Like I have a little bit of, you know, I want to keep things maybe a little bit separate. But when I read that, I was like, yes, this is same brainwave. I just wanted you to like, you know, talk about it, address it. Was there thought, you know, process behind it? Was it just like, hey, we're going to do this because why the fuck not? Because we can and we're going out and we want to meet people and kind of like, just like, what is that experience like when you bring, I'm assuming it's usually a customer or someone who's a fan of your brand. Yeah, it's usually a fan. I mean, we met essentially at a Roots concert. Like we met, we met and like we were, every booth was shutting down and we just happened to be like, this is, I'm going to do like a four minute spiel, but this is why we do this because at the end of the booth, at the end of the day, the, like everything was done and we were all going to filter over to the concert. I had been in this one booth all day because that was the person who gave me my ticket and it was my friend and there was this whole thing. And I'm walking out of the booth and that's when I see Brandon. And I was like, oh, like he walks by and I'm talking to someone and I was like, who is that? <laughs> and she was like, oh, that's Brandon. So I follow him out of the booth and I just walk up to him and I start talking to him. and then you know, we hit it off instantly. We go and we dance at the roots and we eat through slabs, of course. And it really just evolved into us. Like we love music. Brandon started making me playlists. Like the day that we met, he started a playlist series that has over like 50 playlists now of just music playlists so that we could connect and be connected when we weren't together. So the music theme really, really runs deep. The original founders met at a music festival as well. So this thread of live music and our marketing has just really always been connected. It's really like, we just love it. I mean, we invited someone to go to a Mark Revelay concert with us because Mark Revelay is like so fun. And the person wound up not coming because like his mom came into town and surprised him. But he was like so ready to meet us at the Novo and just dance and party with us because there's this camaraderie when you are at a concert and when you like live music, like, you know, your people and people who love live music, love live music. And most of the time they like cannabis too. So it really just kind of like, it just goes together so well that we were like, this is the best way to do this. Brandon's been a concert promoter in LA and in Michigan and while he was in college. So he has all these deep threads to musicians and venues outside of that and being a, an entertainment and intellectual property attorney, he's helped a lot of people. So this, it, it just seems so perfect for us to, to kind of do that. We are going to the same, same, but different festival next week with Miranda and the whole Empire team. So that's going to be like another just full immersive, you know, cannabis music experience where anybody that's that same, same, but different is going to have a chance to try fruit slabs. 
and, you know, come and meet us and hang out with us and talk to us and just, you know, like have a good time. I mean, I think that's really what it's about is we like to have a good time and we know that other people like to have a good time. And that's what life's about is like being your best self. And if you can do that with people and you can meet people and even if they're strangers, like give them something that helps them, like that's the best. (laughs) My cheeks hurt from just like smiling and like everything inside of me is just like, we are same, same, but different. So I just loved I love this episode so much. I know my listeners are going to enjoy it just as much. Yeah. Everybody who tuned into the video version, you got to see our fun, you know, faces. And, and I feel like I talk <laughs> with my hands while that's always like my number one comment. Like, girl, your hands are like doing a whole show. I'm like, mm-hmm, yep, that's that's what they're there for. But no, truthfully, Maggie, like so amazing to connect with you. Love learning more about Fruit Slabs, your background, just all of your things that you have upcoming. Super excited for you guys. And yeah, looking forward to to meeting eventually IRL one day, you and I. But until then, you get to hang out with our mutual friend, Miss Miranda. So yeah. by the way, she mentioned Miranda Cummings and Whitney Adrian, who are both former podcast guests. So thanks to those ladies for keeping this beautiful circle of incredible women in cannabis alive and well. And if you want to listen to their episodes, you can go back in the archives and check them out. And now you have Maggie's to tune into too. So thank you again for joining us. I really appreciate it. Thank you. It's been perfect. Love this episode of To Be Blunt? Be sure to visit theshadatarabi.com slash to be blunt for more ways to connect. New episodes come out on Mondays. And for more behind the scenes, follow along on Instagram at theshadatarabi.com.